In fact, forget good person. You know what? If you want to be a righteous person, you need to do things well. And there's that time you gossiped. You know what? If you want to be a good person, you need to be a righteous person. And there's that, that just that little bit where, well, you sped on the way to church this morning. Because it's important that you come here. Jesus said, as he was sitting on a mountain, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But don't resist an evil person. Oops. Jesus said in that same sermon, you've heard also that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows, you must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say don't make any vows. Don't say by heaven because that's where God is. Don't say by earth because that's where his footstool is. Don't say by Jerusalem. For Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even say by my head because you can't even make the hair grow on your head. I promise I have no... Oh. Jesus said, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say... Even look at a woman with lust, and you've already committed adultery in your heart. You've heard the law that says, love your enemy, wait, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pray for those, I say, who persecute you and love your enemies. To be a good Christian, make sure that you always come to church. At least once a week, preferably more, because the more you come, the more you are a good Christian. As a good Christian, you will never ever watch anything dodgy. Some of you remember a good Christian never goes to the movies. Reg, I saw your hands in the air. A good Christian does not dance in church or anywhere else. <laughs> if you want to be a righteous person, you will keep every commandment. Do not lie. Don't be envious. Don't misuse the Lord's name. I've run out of rocks.
Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 25. This is really heavy, by the way. Does anyone want to feel it? No? Oh. I, thank you. I have to get on with it. I can't take it off because I want to be a good person. Thank you. Thank you. You've got your own to carry, don't you? Yours is just less visible. And this is only a small token of mine. Jesus has just declared about the cities of Capernaum and the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida that they will be in terrible trouble because they rejected him. And then in verse 25, at that time Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father and no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you, well, it's light. Today's passage is all about those who are burdened. Oof and wearied by religion. And yes, it applies to other stresses, uh, marital stress, financial stress, whatever stress you think of, this passage applies, but, but the main point of it is not the stress of life. The main point of it is religion. The burden and the weight of being a good person. Religion is all about working hard. It's about being good all the time. It's about attaining and maintaining a standard. And it's hard work. Trust me, it's hard work. You have to be good all the time. You have to keep up the image. Jesus, speaking to those under the old covenant, says your righteousness, your uprightness, has to be better than that of the Pharisees, who are the most religious sect back in those days. They're the ones who ticked all the boxes. And Jesus says, no, if you want to please God, your religion has to be better than that. And of course we know from passages like Romans 3.20 that no one is good enough for God. That there is no one righteous. There is no one who seeks God. No one who understands. But we have to be seen to have it all together. And you know what, this is, hey, this is just, hi, how are you doing? This is really light. And yeah, I can walk easily, can't I? We do that so that others will like us. We do that so that we will like us. We do that so that God will like us. Because we're so good. Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, Jesus has a go at the Pharisees and he says that they crushed the people with an unbearable load. This is not 
good news. But this is what many of us have called Christianity. We live in a world and an age where everything around us is based on performance. If we're not good enough, people will reject us and ostracize us. So either we perform well to stay accepted, which leads to compulsive perfectionism, or else we hide our flaws and failures so that nobody will notice, which leads to lying and deceit. I I got a great quote, and I can't figure out, remember who wrote it, but it says, the heart of every sinner, including even the man already reborn but still living here on earth, harbors a Pharisee at least once in a while. A Pharisee, someone who insists on looking good despite being bad. However we deal with it, we end up either ignoring the problem, pretending we don't have this heavy sack, or else we become our own harshest critics. So many people are burdened by religious anxieties and fears and temptations and responsibilities and the loneliness of that. Burdened at all times and in every situation with how we are meant to be. The church father Jerome said the burden of sin is heavy. And he referenced Psalm 38 verse 4 which says my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. And being religious has the appearance of being wise. You know what, I've, I've got all these problems here, but I'm carrying them. I'm dealing with them. I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do weights so that I'm strong enough to carry it. You know what, in fact, I just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. My poor wife is getting so embarrassed with me doing that. She's worried I'm going to hurt myself. Thank you. Because that's what we end up doing. Colossians, chapter 2. Colossians, chapter 2, verses 21 to... You know what? Oof, I cannot carry that. You get the idea. Colossians, chapter 2, verse 21 says this. The rules of the world such as, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. And don't we look up to people who are very disciplined and and pious and, and, you know, oh, yeah, I... It takes a lot of effort for me to do this. And you know, the, to the extreme, the aesthetics from the way back when who went and lived in the desert to be close to God and didn't eat hardly, well, hardly ate any food. And you look at them and go, wow, they were Christians. They were very religious. My uh, Muslim friend every year at Ramadan they don't eat during the day. And people go, wow, what, what devotion. What incredible devotion. Of course, they eat a lot at night, but no one notices that. But the point is, it takes discipline to not eat and not drink 
while the sun is up. And there, there's a lot of people who look at that and go, wow, that, that, that's worth something. There's a wisdom in that. And Christians uh, at Easter, we do Lent, some of us, where we also deny ourselves and we, and we don't do this or we, we don't eat chocolate or we, or we don't eat or whatever. You know, it's this, oh, aren't I good? Look how much I'm sacrificing for God. I'm building these muscles and I'm going to make it. What does Paul say? These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. They have the appearance of wisdom, but at the end of the day, you've still got this heavy bag that is too heavy for you. You've still got this burden that is unbearable, this guilt that is unquenchable. The fact is that no amount of working hard can bring us into a relationship with the Father. I mean, that's what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 uh, to 27. He says, in effect, that, that only he, the Son, knows the Father, truly knows the Father. And the Father, only the Father truly knows the Son. And Jesus says that, that, in effect, we can't just work our way out to being good enough for God. We can't work our way out to being there with God because we will never even know God. We think we're working hard and being piously devoted and wah, 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 wah. But in the end, we don't even know the Father. And Jesus says, no, I alone truly know the Father and I choose to reveal him to you. Only Jesus can introduce us because only Jesus is human and God. Only Jesus truly knows the Father. And only Jesus also truly knows us because he is one of us. Became one of us. And it's interesting who Jesus chooses to reveal God to. It's not to those who have done the most pious devotion. It's not to those who have spiritual six-packs. Jesus comes to those who are uh, weary and heavy laden. And he says, let me take you to the Father. You see, although we could never be good enough for God, and I know this is, this is old story, but as the song says, tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. We can never be good enough for God, but God still came to us in Jesus. And he doesn't condemn the burdened for their failure. He doesn't look at us and go, Hi, Nick, how are you going? Let's have a look. Or, Nick, do you know you've got some rocks in there? What is this one doing in there, Nick? Oh, Nick, not get... What on earth is this one doing there? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't come and condemn us. He comes to the weary and the heavy laden and he says, Come to me. He calls us to let, to stop trying to be good enough for God and for others and for ourselves and just take his rest. Did I read the passage yet? 
Not all of it, did I? Did I? I thought I did. Well, for those of you that have forgotten, let me read this. I did read it. Verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The other church, well, one of the other church fathers, Chrysostom, said, Jesus didn't say, Come, that I might punish you, but that I may remit your sins. Come, not because I have need of your glory, but because I seek your salvation. Come, not only will I save you, but much greater, I will refresh you. The only way to be unburdened is to come to the one who is strong enough to carry all of our fears and failures. This is the essence of the gospel. God loves us despite the fact that we have a heavy burden of all the ways that we fail to live up to where God is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. Just before Paul speaks about all these don't touch, don't taste, all these things. Uh, sorry, I closed the Bible, now I can't find it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, taste, touch? They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Christians, says Paul, have been set free from the rules of this world, including all those legalistic requirements that we have to be good enough for God. You see, Jesus came and lived the perfect life and died and rose again to save us, but not to save us and then force us into a heavy burden of being perfect. That's the old way. Jesus came to save us because we simply cannot be perfect on our own. Jesus came to offer us not hard work. It's not the case of become a Christian and now it's not just what you do, it's your motivation that matters. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to people before his resurrection and saying to them, right, if you want to live according to God's standards, God's standards are a lot higher than you think. Jesus is making it more difficult to follow God because ultimately it is impossible to follow God. Jesus comes and says, it's impossible to follow God, but come to me and I will give you rest. It's not a putting your feet up. It's about putting our life right. It's about Jesus saying, right here, right now, you, you don't have to be responsible for that load anymore.
And when we come to Jesus for rest, what he offers us in verse 29 is a yoke. Now, I, I'm trying very hard not to make a yoke joke just because the word always sounds like joke to me. But it does seem like a bit of a joke, doesn't it? Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you a yoke. Now, do we know what a yoke is? It's not the thing inside an egg. Uh, if you have your bulletin, there's a picture there of two oxen uh, under a yoke. Uh, a yoke is basically, it's a wooden cross piece that is put across the necks of two animals so that they can bear a load. That, uh, like plow a field or pull a cart or something like that. And so what Jesus is saying, he's saying, come to me because you've got a really heavy burden. Uh, let me give you rest. And what I'm going to do, uh, take my yoke. Okay. But it's an easy yoke, says Jesus. And the burden is light. And so are we to read from this that what Jesus is saying is that he expects less from us now than God expected under the old agreement. Does God expect less of us? Well, no, Jesus has already said, if you want to please God, your righteousness, your goodness, your holiness has to surpass anything of anyone here. The Pharisees... They're nothing. Their righteousness is pathetic. You need to be up there when they're down there. You need to be perfect as God is perfect. Jesus doesn't expect less of us. So how can he turn around and say, well, take my yoke, take, take this job, and, and, and take this burden, because it is a burden, and, and I'm going to... What? I'm going to give you rest? How can Jesus say that his burden is easy and light when God still expects perfection from us? Maybe it means I just need to, you know... Pick this up again. No, no God, God still expects perfection. You know what, when I, when I thought this passage, you, you ladies are right. I always thought that when Jesus said, take my yoke, he's standing there as the farmer with the yoke ready to put us on to put us in it and whip us to make us go. But you know the amazing thing? Yokes are designed for two animals. Exactly. Yokes are designed for two animals. And the yoke that Jesus puts us in, stop making yoke jokes. It's a double yoker. <laughs> the yoke that Jesus puts us in is his yoke. Take my yoke. In other words, we are yoked together with Jesus. And Jesus, who is perfect and has already died to take all of my burdens, he does the heavy lifting. 
Pretend I'm Jesus. I know it's a difficult ask. Brett, could you help me? Just hold on to that. Hard work? That's really hard work, isn't it? (laughs) Excruciating. Jesus does the work. But if Jesus does all the heavy lifting, why am I still yoked to him? You see, Jesus doesn't want to just rescue us from our past. He wants to take us to the Father. He wants us to learn from him, to walk alongside him, to become the people that we will be, to be like him. One day we will be like him. He wants us to learn from him. That's what he says there. He says, take my yoke upon me, upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He wants us to learn from him of God until we see God face to face and are transformed into the likeness of his being. And that takes time. Taryn's a teacher. She will tell you that her students still get the same words wrong, some of them. And then one day they don't. I'm assuming this is right. I haven't asked her. Check with her afterwards. Um, This is how we learn. We learn. We don't be told, okay, right now, here's the instructions, and then first time ever we do it. I mean, you remember the first time you learned to drive? I mean, everyone knows how to drive. You get in the car and you just go, don't you? You get in the car and you you put your foot down and then the engine stalls. We'll never be perfect this side of heaven. And I fully believe that Jesus expects us to make mistakes. That's the point of learning. But now we're making mistakes in the safest place that there is with Jesus. And when we fall, we don't have a big bag of guilt and shame and rocks and sin to crush us. Jesus' yoke brings rest because Jesus is gentle and humble at heart. You know, the book of Hebrews says that he knows our every temptation and weakness and frailty. And he doesn't release us from troubles and trials. He doesn't take us out of this world of all those things, but he does promise to be with us. And when we stumble, and notice I say when, not if, when we stumble, Jesus doesn't look at us and go, you fool, you're meant to be perfect, you're an idiot. Jesus looks at us instead, and I read this, someone wrote, he whispers to us, I love you so much. I'm sorry you made a choice and you stumbled and you fell. But I'm right here with you. Let let me see what I can do to deal with those consequences and let's get you up and let's keep on walking together because I'm not leaving you. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that important to remind ourselves? Because we live in a world where that's not how things work. And so easy it is to come to God and assume that God, when we mess up, will turn to us and go, well, you've had so many chances before. There's a great song by Ren Collective Experiment we were listening to the other day. Um, It's called uh, Endless Second Chances. Countless second chances we've been given at the cross. 
And that's the truth of the matter. Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden by the burden of trying to be good enough for me. You who, who always seem to be failing at the same sins and the same temptations, come to me and I will give you rest and let me carry the weight of that and you just walk with me. You just walk with me and I will give you rest for your souls. Can I, just a show of hands, who's been Christian for more than six months? Who's been a Christian for more than a year? More than 10 years? More than 20 years? More than 30 years? 40, 50, 60, 70. Eric, how did I know it would be you? (laughs) Eric, is the yoke always easy? This is an on-the-spot question, by the way. Aren't you glad he's the oldest Christian? Exactly. What about when the yoke doesn't seem light and easy? Sometimes as Christians, following Jesus can seem really, really difficult. It's possible to turn Jesus' yoke into an unbearable burden. To make it into a different yoke. Easiest way to do that is to kick Jesus out of the other yoke. Perhaps when the yoke of being a Christian, of following Jesus seems heavy and unbearable, it's because we keep wearing our old one and insisting on following a different leader than Jesus. That of sin, the parasitical sin inside us. Perhaps sometimes Jesus' yoke doesn't seem easy because we won't let Jesus carry our weight. We insist on carrying it ourselves, proving ourselves good enough when all we have to do is let Jesus carry the weight. And that's just arrogance, isn't it? Going, wow, Jesus, thank you so much for rescuing me. No, 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 it's it's okay, I've got this, Jesus. Thank you for, you're just so good, you died to rescue me, that's wonderful, I love being with you, but look, you're busy, I've got this, I've got this, I can manage this. I can overcome this on my own, Jesus, thanks, yeah, we're good, we're good, let's keep walking. doesn't impress God. He looks at us and goes, you you do realize you're never going to get anywhere like that. There's a great old story about a a kid who goes, he's a slightly stupid child, sent by his mother into town to buy a piece of meat. She says, buy 500 grams of meat. And he goes in and hands the butcher the the money and the butcher gives him this, this titchy piece of meat. Tiny thing. And the boy looks at it and says, that, that is not, that is not 500 grams. And the butcher says, this is special meat. You just have to hold out in front of you all the time. And by the time you get home, in about two hours' time, it's going to be more than 500 grams. We think, oh, we've got this, God. We can manage this. And God looks at us and goes, uh-huh. That's magic sin. You walk a little bit, you realize it's still pulling you down. Because you can't beat it by yourself. You can never be good enough for God if you try. Perhaps Jesus' yoke 
and burden can seem heavy because we're not keeping pace with him. We're trying to run ahead where Jesus is just taking us at the pace that we can actually walk. Perhaps we find ourselves pulling in a different direction to which Jesus is going. And if you think about the image of, of a yoke, you're tied together, and if Jesus is going that way and I'm going this way, A, Jesus is a bit stronger than me, so I'm not really going to pull him off course that much. Jesus knows where he's going, but it's going to chafe. It's going to hurt. They're going to be pulled muscles. Jesus is always going to be pulling us his way. And the harder we resist him and the more we insist on stretching that wooden yoke, the more difficult it's going to be. If we are weary and heavy laden, there are many places in this world that promise us relief. TV, entertainment, alcohol, pornography, whatever. Things that dull us to the pain of life. But in actual fact, they just leave us more weary. Jesus says, if you are wearied by trying to be good enough, and and you see the two extremes that you can go to, either you run away and you try and dull it or you try and cope with it. Jesus says, either way. Those of you, I, I believe, those of you that are weary and heavy laden, and you know it, Come to me, to the only relief that's available. Walk with me. Let me do the heavy lifting. Trust him. Follow him. Learn from him. And when we stumble and the weight of sin pulls us down, it means listening to his promise that he's already picked up what we could never carry. And he's already dealt with it. And if I may finish with a cheesy one-liner, hear his voice saying, He ain't heavy. I've got his burden and I died to make him my brother or sister. Come to me, says Jesus. Leave the stones with the only one who can carry them. Oh, love that will not let me go. I bring my weary soul to thee. I pour out everything that I am because you have poured out everything that you are for me. We're going to sing a hymn. Oh, love that will not let me go. Hopefully you guys know it. If you don't, uh, join in as soon as you can. Jesus will never let us go. Let's rest in Him.